Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Naveen Krishna. Naveen is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information and Digital Officer at Genuine Parts Company, a company that distributes automotive replacement parts, industrial replacement parts that earned in excess of $22 billion in revenue in 2022. Naveen has been in role for more than two years, and in that role, he's responsible for leading the strategy and direction for all technology and digital initiatives and ensuring alignment with the company's strategic roadmap. He joined Genuine Parts Company from Macy's, where he was the Executive Vice President and Chief Technology and Information Officer. He's also spent time in leadership roles at the Home Depot, Target, FedEx, and Deloitte. Naveen, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Peter, it's uh, nice to chat with you this morning. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, uh, Naveen, I, I, I provided the briefest of uh, thumbnail sketches as to Genuine Parts business. I wonder if you could take a moment and kind of take it from there, if you would, and fill in, in your own words, uh, the business that you're a part of. Absolutely, Peter. Uh, Genuine Parts Company, uh, like you said, is a uh, global services and parts distribution company uh, serving the automotive and uh, industrial aftermarkets. Uh, we have about uh, 58,000 team members uh, spread across three continents, 17 countries, and uh, we've been serving our customers for uh, over 95 years now, uh, over this long period of time. And you know, going through the good times and the uh, down times, uh, we've stayed uh, true to our belief of uh, first taking care of our employees, our customers, our shareholders, and the uh, local communities that uh, we uh, operate in. Uh, globally, we operate about uh, 10,000 stores and branches, uh, over 200 distribution centers, and have a uh, network of over 13,000 last mile, uh, last mile delivery vehicles that uh, we uh, uh, manage and run. Uh, my team is uh, based out of uh, six technology offices uh, globally. And then when you look at our automotive business, uh, we serve over one and a half million auto repair uh, uh, facilities and also provide technology and solutions uh, to uh, more than 30,000 uh, uh, branded or GPC branded uh, repair centers. Uh, in, the, in the US, you probably uh, are familiar with the brand, uh, or the banner Napa. Uh, so that is... Uh, what we operate in the USS. And this makes uh, GPC not just the largest parts and services provider in the world, uh, but also the only player globally in the space. Um, in our industrial business, we are focused on providing end-to-end -end solutions most uh, to pretty much most all the major industrial segments that you can think of, and we do this pretty much globally. Uh, we have access to over 19 million parts, and uh, you know what that makes us is uh, the market leader in that space. So that's a brief uh, uh, overview of uh, GPC. A, a, a large and expansive and consequential business, to say the least. Uh, talk, talk a moment, if you would, uh, Naveen, about your role as Chief Information and Digital Officer, if you would. Yeah, sure, uh, Peter. Uh, I've been uh, at uh, Genuine Paths Company for about two years now, and I must say I've had a total blast. Uh, the role of uh, technology at GPC has evolved to becoming... I'll say more a strategic enabler, and uh, you know where what I see is quickly becoming a real source of innovation and a value driver. Uh, we do have a fair share of technical debt, uh, like most companies do. Uh, so there's a good amount of, I'll call the more traditional IT efforts that me and my team have to work on. Uh, you know things like uh, consolidating data centers, legacy systems modernization, uh, you know, etc. You know, these type of uh, efforts are uh, really important, uh, part of my job and my team's responsibilities. 
and uh, we're accomplishing these at a you know really good uh, pace. Uh, one recent example, just last weekend, uh, we went live with Workday as our uh, workforce solutions uh, in a more traditional IT work, if you will. Uh, but what I'm uh, most proud is uh, team got it accomplished in less than a year, uh, just a fabulous job. So we got the uh, more traditional IT work going on and uh, some uh, really uh, cool, interesting uh, uh, things as well. Um, you know, while we continue to work on these, I'll call them uh, table stakes uh, uh, of IT, uh, I believe uh, transforming the customer's experience, right, is uh, is uh, becoming increasingly critical uh, to, you know, for loyalty and also gaining a larger share of the wallet. Uh, so this is uh, where I spend a lot of uh, my time and energy. And uh, basically for uh, my team and I, we have uh, three priorities. Uh, one, strengthening the foundational platforms uh, that our businesses run on. Uh, second is developing solutions uh, that drive recurring uh, growth and increasing increased loyalty. And uh, third is leveraging the data and uh, uh, to modernize our competitive advantage uh, in the automotive and industrial space. So that's what I uh, my uh, role entails, Peter. Very, very interesting. I'd love to, you, you, you mentioned briefly there, uh, the transformation that's happening in customer experience. And you talked about the, the, the goal of, of increasing a customer loyalty along the way. Talk a bit about some of the ways in which that's done digitally uh, and how you think about interacting with customers through digital channels. Right. Uh, Peter, when you, you know, think of, uh, think of the experience uh, you and, uh, you know, pretty much all our customers have today in their auto repairs or even something like getting an oil change for their automobiles. This experience has pretty much been the same over the last 20 to 25 years. It has really not changed a whole lot, right? These stagnant experiences, you know, when you combine them with the ever increasing price transparency that exists in the marketplace, uh, the immediate order delivery pretty much becoming a norm and, uh, you know, and quick access to the information a customer could ever want about their repairs, the experience a customer has in their auto repairs journey is quickly becoming the single biggest differentiator between provider A and provider B. And when we look at the entire markets, uh, uh, marketplace, not just in the US, but globally, we do not see any meaningful differentiation between companies uh, in, in providing the customer experience. And so the same is true even in our industrial business. Um, so we've started this journey uh, to lead this change, not just within GPC, but I believe it is for the entire industry and we will lead the pack here. For us, what this means is having a maniacal focus on creating frictionless and consistent customer experiences, you know, that delights our customer throughout the you know, auto repairs journey uh, every single time. And, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, you go to uh, your favorite uh, large coffee chain, your experience is uh, great every single time. The coffee tastes exactly the same. Uh, that's the kind of experience we want to get in the automotive repair uh, space and also in our industrial space for our industrial customers. Digital uh, for us becomes a fundamental means to serve our customers, you know, a lot more effectively and efficiently. And it's not just a channel of business uh, uh, for us. Towards this, we think of digital as becoming a, a way of life at, at GPC, and that's to provide frictionless experience, both internally to our, uh, to service our employees' needs, uh, to serve our customers, and the interactions we have with our suppliers and uh, partners. Um, so we're basically digitizing, you know, think of it, every single touch point, a customer or an employee or a supplier 
uh, partner has with us. Uh, so this includes everything from product catalogs, search, commerce, pricing, uh, uh, the payments platforms, supply chain, customer care, and I could go on. Uh, it also includes all our internal facing solutions. Um, and you know we've uh, been fortunate that uh, you know the success we've had, uh, we can uh, invest in our business. Uh, we've embraced a uh, cloud-first approach uh, for pretty much all our platforms modernization. And, uh, and we've, we've entered it with a mindset of speed over perfection. Uh, we want to get it 80% right. And I know the customer experience and preferences will change. So we were not going to strive for uber perfection. 80% uh, is good and we'll continue to iterate. We're also working on uh, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality uh, technologies. Uh, it, it, uh, it has a lot of uh, interesting play in our industrial business. Uh, and especially to drive out the service delivery efficiencies, which our customers have been uh, asking for for a, a number of years from not just us, but the entire industry. So uh, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, this is what we refer to as digital uh, with the objective of creating a frictionless customer experience in both our automotive and in our uh, uh, industrial businesses globally. Very interesting. And, and I wonder what uh, role artificial intelligence and perhaps generative artificial intelligence is playing as you think about the ongoing evolution and building on this new modern foundation that you and the team are laying. Yeah, uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say when it comes to artificial intelligence, uh, we've been uh, you know, working on it for a number of years and there's several things we've done. Uh, generative AI is relatively new, uh, I think for most of us and uh, uh, true for us as well. Uh, we see data as being the uh, foundation and the key differentiator. Uh, the large language models are available to most anybody. Uh, now what makes the large language models uh, more valuable to one business versus another business is the underlying data that the business can, uh, uh, can provide. As I have learned more about our global businesses uh, in the past few years, you know, I'm especially excited about the potential uh, to harness the power of our data uh, to create long-term stickiness with our customers. Uh, the, the vast amounts of data available across our global operations is, I believe, one of the biggest undertapped potential we have at GPC today. Uh, I, I, I uh, usually... Uh, you know, being in the automotive industry, uh, I believe it's a new oil, or let's say, you know, in the EV space, it's a new lithium, if you will. Um, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, on the vastness of our data, we have over 24,000 hours of automotive repair training content. Uh, that is, I mean, and this is proprietary content. And this is a massive data set by any, any measure, right? 24,000 hours of uh, content. And when you think of the data, right, we have any company like uh, in, in the traditional company like GPC, there's two things. One, uh, it is, uh, it's the, I call it the upstream data. That's data that's in upstream operations like manufacturing, product sourcing, distribution. Uh, and this is important data, but it really, what it really helps you do is get to operational efficiencies. Uh, and most companies have access into this data. The data that gets generated closer to the customer operations, right? Where the car is actually getting repaired or the factory floor is getting automated through a set of tools. Uh, this data is highly fragmented. It's less accessible, and a, but a lot more valuable data to understand uh, and influence the customer experiences. This is where GPC is uniquely positioned to leverage this type of data sets generated closer to our customers. 
in an automotive business, uh, we have the advantage of having data sets uh, you know, uh, closer to the customer because we operate and support uh, you know, well over 30,000 repair centers that are our branded repair centers and one and a half million other repair centers. So these data sets, as the years go by and we modernize our platform, these will only get richer and this is all proprietary data. Um, so if you were to search, you know, sometime in the near future, uh, once we uh, are able to leverage our large, large language models, I truly believe we will be able to provide you much richer content and more relevant content on how to repair your car uh, than uh, any other large search engine can uh, provide uh, provide you. Uh, so that's that's where I'm uh, mostly excited uh, about. Uh, same thing in our industrial uh, industrial business. The data generated from the shop floors, we are creating a digital twin, if you will, solution. Uh, so we, you know, staying afar, we can mimic and have a twin setup, if you will, of exactly what happens on the shop floor. This provides us very, very unique insights into uh, what our customers' uh, issues are. And many times we're able to find these issues way before the customer actually sees them show up in their operations. Uh, and, and, and these uh, rich data sets, the machine learning models, um, you know, enable us to improve our sales effectiveness. If you look at the industrial and automotive aftermarket space, uh, the sales process has mostly been an art and we are changing it to a science. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that's that's super exciting for me. Um, this all started, you know, our data was not, you know, super well organized, if you will. We, it was, you know, a lot of siloed data sets spread across a global organization. So our first set of efforts was to pull all this together, uh, you know, normalize, rationalize these data sets you know, build up the tooling and the platforms uh, to make it easily accessible to our operators, uh, you know, while in, during their decision making. And so we partnered with Google uh, and are leveraging their advanced uh, data uh, engineering platforms uh, to really unlock the, uh, you know, uh, art of possible within using these data sets. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a journey, uh, right? And uh, we, we are not afraid to disrupt uh, some of the uh, traditional industry practices that have existed. Uh, you know, to, and I think we're gonna create a, a step function change in our customer experience. Uh, you know, in, in some areas we've already done it, uh, in others uh, coming soon. Um, but looking ahead, I mean, the, the generative AI space, uh, the, 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 we are, I'd say we are in very early stages of, uh, uh, you know, learning to leverage large language models, um, you know, not just increasing productivity for us, making us more efficient, uh, but also for our customers, uh, you know, helping uh, helping them get more efficient uh, in, in operations uh, because many of them rely so heavily on our, our solutions. Um, and the second thing I'm excited about the generative uh, AI space and large language models is, uh, accelerating the innovation of new business models, uh, products and services. Uh, this is very, very, uh, uh, you know, early stages, and uh, uh, but I think it's an exciting time. Certainly sounds like it. Well, Naveen, I thought it was very uh, interesting. You mentioned that uh, data is uh, not not only sort of the new oil, but the new lithium, as you noted, uh, reflecting on sort of an EV analogy and not just a sort of traditional combustible engine. Uh, uh, analogy there. And, and apropos, as I understand, 
for the major investments uh, that uh, GPC has made in the EV space. And I wonder if you could take a moment, as it is a topic of uh, a, a the, uh, of great interest and great investment across the business landscape and 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 personal landscape as well, um, as to how the your organization is is playing in that space. Yeah. No. Uh, great and timely question, uh, Peter. Uh, you know, as you can imagine, right? Uh, genuine parts company has had to uh, continuously innovate and sort of uh, to be successful over such a long period of uh, ninety-five years. Um, our our approach to innovation has been singular, and what I mean by that is uh, drawing on drawing from the breadth of our experiences, right, as a global company, and transferring knowledge between markets and also between our industry segments. So that's that's how uh, we've been able to innovate over the years. And this approach is really, you know, uh, it's born as a good fruit for us. And uh, electric vehicle space is a wonderful example of uh, our approach to innovation. Um, you know, while the electric vehicle market, right, it's, uh, I'll say it's probably in its infancy in North America, right? It's, uh, it's but it's a lot more mature in uh, several parts of Europe. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we have a very large uh, uh, European automotive business. And as the EV market, uh, EV space, I'll say, was evolving in Europe uh, over the past several years, uh, we've been uh, experimenting, investing uh, in the EV aftermarket solutions for a number of years now. Our, uh, our objective goal uh, has been to, and is, to uh, lead in this space. And by, by one, leveraging our unique positioning globally, our scale, uh, global scale, and also you know becoming the first mover, and so so you see us being one of the first movers in the space for the aftermarket space. Um, several investments and initiatives in the space. One is uh, building a global EV network, if you will, uh, of offering tools and training to auto technicians. How you repair an electric vehicle is very, very different than how you uh, repair an uh, internal combustion engine. And so building out this global network of, of uh, tools training uh, to get our technicians trained up. Uh, just in uh, in 2022, we trained over 50,000 uh, technicians, not all on EVs, uh, but overall. So we have a massive training uh, uh, machinery, if you will. In 2019, we created and formed the Next Drive uh, in Netherlands. This is an auto service centers network exclusively for uh, uh, electric vehicles. So when you need to take your electric vehicle in, you have the option to go to a network outside of your immediate dealer. Um, we've since been rolling out uh, Next Drive across uh, Europe. Uh, in 2022, we started rolling it out. Rolling out these auto centers in uh, in Canada, and soon we'll be rolling out Next Drive here uh, in the U.S. Um, and third is expanding our products catalog uh, to include more of EV parts, uh, uh, you know, into our uh, into our massive catalog. And this is based on the strength of our supplier partnerships we have both on the automotive side and on the industrial side. Right? When you think about our industrial business, as EV manufacturers invest into into electric vehicles, the factories are very different. These are factories, new factories that have to get built out and automated. And as they start investing in the US and near shoring for factory automation, we are able to provide them the needed industrial solutions and the parts to keep the factories going. So this is a 
fabulous ecosystem that we have on EV, on the automotive side, and also how it helps us on the industrial side. Um, overall, I'll say uh, uh, we, are, we are ahead of the pack uh, in the EV space, and uh, we are only accelerating. And, and given all that you've described, Veen, these new practices, uh, if you know efficiencies, but the modernization activities, the new innovations that you and the team are implementing, I'm wondering uh, what sort of team changes or skill set differences uh, now make up your team as you think about its ongoing evolution to evolve yeah. with, in fact, no doubt, lead the change that you're describing. Yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah, uh, Peter. So we've called it path one, path two, if you will. Uh, that's the terminology we use internally. And what it means is path one is what we've been doing all these years, very successful over the years. And those are things we've still got to do. I mean, that is putting bread on the table, right? So that's uh, that's uh, still going on. Um, path two is more on how do we make step function changes? And you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, uh, you need to do fewer things, uh, just need to do bigger things. Uh, and so what we've uh, done is uh, we are continue to run our business and operations uh, on, on our platforms. At the same time, we, we have the luxury to invest uh, in a parallel path, if you will. And the parallel path is where we get to experiment, we get to try, uh, you know, fail fast and, uh, and uh, move, move much faster. And so the team is also uh, uh, set up in, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in that way. So you look at our path one, you would find much more of our traditional IT uh, uh, technologists, if you will, you know, whether it's they're working on cloud or whether they're uh, working uh, uh, in, on our data centers, whether it's selling systems, uh, more, I'll call it more traditional. In our path two, it's a lot more to do with, uh, you know, leveraging our data, a lot more data scientists, a lot more uh, on creating the tooling and platforms, if you will, uh, for, uh, uh, for others to leverage, um, you know, as part of this, you know, I mentioned we had, uh, you know, my team is spread across uh, six, uh, uh, you know, technology centers globally. Uh, it was five uh, till early this year. We opened a new technology center in Poland, in Krakow, Poland. Uh, I mean, just fantastic talent there. And uh, the primary purpose of opening uh, that technology center was to accelerate some of our path to innovative innovation uh, efforts uh, that uh, we have going on. So it's a, uh, I'll say we're in a uh, transitionary period uh, when you talk about just a team, uh, we need both the traditional IT and we need to sort of get to uh, modernizing uh, many of the platforms that we have. One of the issues that certainly a lot of organizations and even individuals have been thinking about a lot more in recent years has been supply chain and the uh, downstream impacts of complications associated with it in recent times. Uh, yeah. And I wonder how you see the role of technology and, and digital practices uh, uh, playing a role in optimizing supply chains. End of the day, we are a parts distributor, Peter. Uh, all said and done, uh, we need to get a part uh, to a, a customer. Uh, the faster we get it, uh, the uh, uh, the higher up in the uh, in the food chain we are going to go, and we'll be in the what we call it first call. Uh, so who's the first person you call? So um, supply chain is the single you know most important function, if you will, right? Um, uh, for us, uh, it's an area that uh, you know we we have invested over the years, uh, but uh, you know I'll say uh, we have an opportunity to modernize a lot more. Uh, like I mentioned, we have. 200 plus distribution centers uh, globally. 
do we need 200? Do we need more? Do we need less? There's a network optimization. That's the business strategy. I mean, that's the first, that's the starting point for all our technology decisions. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer of not uh, doing tech for tech. Uh, so it's got to make money at the end. Uh, so uh, uh, so it's our, our entire stra technology strategy is based, uh, digital and technology strategy is based on what the needs are. So we start with that. Uh, we've gone through uh, a number of conversations uh, and evaluations. We settled on uh, uh, standardizing on Manhattan Active for all our distribution centers. So there's very few companies in the world, I, I'll say, uh, are standardized on a common, uh, you know, uh, distribution system or a warehousing, uh, warehouse management system. Uh, that's where we want to get to. That gives us a lot of efficiencies. Um, second, uh, once you, you know, we are rethinking a, our distribution process itself, all, you know, all the way from, uh, a, you know, offshore and, uh, uh, a, you know, like every other organization, we, we have... Uh, 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 you know, there's risks involved in uh, many of the supply chain uh, decisions we have to make, sourcing decisions. So that's an area that we are exploring, uh, uh, I'll say, uh, um, very actively. Um, and the minute you start looking at sourcing decisions and changes in sourcing decisions, the whole supply chain starts, uh, you know, you start uh, moving pieces around the supply chain, which has its own implications, which means there's a massive amount of technology that uh, needs to come right behind it. Um, the last mile delivery that we have, I mentioned about 13,000 vehicles that we operate. It's a massive network uh, in itself. And, uh, uh, you know, our stores, you know, as you can imagine, are open uh, six days a week, mostly. Uh, they're open from 7 a.m. till about 8 p.m. Uh, what do you do with the 13,000 vehicles network, uh, you know, 50% of the time they're, uh, you know, uh, uh, sitting idle. What do we do with it? That's an avenue we're looking at. So it's technology starts playing a massive role in every piece of supply chain, if you will. Uh, but it all starts with understanding the or defining our strategy on what we want the network to look like and then working backwards and filling in the pieces of uh, technology needed for that. Um, our, uh, you know, our business, if you look at both our, uh, industrial and automotive, uh, these, are, these are machines and it's fairly predictable when they're gonna fail. Uh, it's fairly predictable. And when you have data over 20, 30 years, uh, you know, of uh, repair data, it's fairly easy to predict. And I'm, uh, I'm my uh, hypothesis is at some point in the future, uh, we should be able to predict our failure in our parts very similar to how uh, the weatherman predicts the weather. And uh, it's just getting more data points. And uh, so that's one of the things we're working on in our supply chain. So the more we can get to the predictive model of our supply chain, and our, our product mix is very conducive for that. Uh, I think we can drive a lot of efficiency uh, out of our uh, supply chain and uh, get products to our customers uh, faster than anybody else can. I can understand why that would be a, a remarkable strategic advantage as that continues to, to play out. I, I wonder, uh, Naveen, we've talked about a number of, of uh, trends of importance to, to any business, but certainly yours, uh, from data to augmented and virtual reality, you reference digital twins, uh, artificial intelligence and generative AI more specifically as well. As you look to the future, are there any other uh, uh, technology trends that particularly excite you that you would, you would highlight? A couple, uh, couple, Peter. I uh, when you 
look, there's there's so much advances, uh, you know, and trends, and there's a you know plethora of areas, right? Uh, the one that uh, the ones I should say that uh, you know most uh, that I'm most excited about are the ones that help us dramatically improve the end-to-end customer experience. Uh, that's the ones that I uh, spend more energy and time and focus on. Uh, you know, for us having such rich uh, you know, vast uh, content and data, uh, you know, the potential of uh, leveraging large language models, uh, you know, that's uh, 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 that's very uh, exciting for me. Uh, and so that's an area I, uh, I uh, spend some time on. Um, in the nature of our industrial business, IoT uh, or industrial, industrial uh, uh, internet of things, sorry. Uh, we call it IIoT, industrial internet of things. Uh, uh, is an area I follow very closely. And uh, what I'm excited most about in that space is uh, the advances at the intersection of mobile, edge computing, and internet of things. And these coming together, I think, creates a massive potential for even greater automation in most all of our industry, uh, uh, industry uh, industrial customers. And of course, there is uh, cybersecurity. I mean, being a technology professional and having responsibility for a globally uh, distributed operations and workforce. Uh, I've got to be excited about the trends in, uh, you know, some of the advanced encryption and, you know, secure authentications, you know, uh, solutions that are coming out. Uh, you know, some of the privacy enhancing uh, uh, enhancements and, you know, protection of our uh, data and protection of our infrastructure. Uh, those technologies are also uh, pretty interesting and I force myself to uh, stay close to those. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think like you know, it's a it's always been a good time to be in a technology profession. I think now it's a fantastic time to be in the technology profession, and I think uh, being in an organization like Genuine Paths Company, where you have a, such rich data that is just you know with so much potential, I think it's uh, it's even a uh, uh, an even more fantastic uh, uh, place to be in. It's inspiring, Naveen, to hear about the number of areas that you and the team are investing in that represent technology of the future, experiences of the future, advances that are going to improve both efficiency, but uh, very importantly, also revenue as well, as you highlight. Uh, tell me, how what part of your organization focuses on these innovative new topics? Is there a dedicated team that does the that sort of explores the art of the possible? Is it a part-time job of many? Uh, how do you think about that? Uh, it's uh, it's actually everyone's job, uh, Peter. It's uh, I, I I call it innovation is like cybersecurity. It's uh, it's not just the CISO's job. It is every person's uh, job. There is, and and uh, innovation doesn't need to necessarily be some moonshot. Uh, there is innovation uh, uh, that can happen in every function, everything we do. Um, so from a uh, the approach we are taking, uh, you know, around enabling innovation is trying to build platforms. Uh, so think about driving insights, you know, you know, business insights, and uh, let's take uh, the uh, uh, large language models as an example. My focus is to get the teams to build platforms and with sufficient amount of guardrails and open up these platforms for any operators in the company to go use. And as long as you have you know, uh, good foundational platforms and you have sufficient guardrails, uh, 
you know, it's okay to give uh, people uh, some scissors. It's okay. People won't hurt themselves. Uh, it's when you don't have those guardrails, um, that's when it gets a little tricky and you, you have to control the innovation because something could go wrong. Uh, but we work, we, we've been working on getting these guardrails a lot more solidified, uh, more, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to uh, help our operators and basically anybody in the company go leverage platforms, uh, but do it in a controlled manner and, uh, you know, if something were not to go, you know, as desired, it won't be a massive, uh, uh, you know, situation. Uh, it'll be controlled because we have those guardrails. Uh, so it's really innovation is, you know, across the board. It's uh, we don't have it. We don't have an R&D team per se. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't, you know, at least in our business, I don't see a need for a specific R&D team. Uh, I think it is, I, can, I think we can do R&D in, uh, and innovation in every function. Yeah, very interesting indeed. I, I wanted to also ask you, Naveen, as somebody who's been an executive multiple times over, uh, a chief at multiple uh, scaled organizations, um, what do you attribute your success to? Were there some uh, difference makers along the way uh, that you would call out, and especially the extent to which that might provide some guidance for others who might wish to follow in your footsteps? I'd be particularly interested in your thoughts. Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, Peter. I don't know if... Uh... I don't know if there's any secret sauce or special recipe per se. I don't necessarily have anything like that. It's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I think the first one is I've, I've just been fortunate to have worked at some uh, really, uh, uh, you know, interesting, uh, innovative, and uh, progressive companies. Um, and at these companies, I've had, uh, I've had good managers. Uh, more importantly, I've had a few people who've been uh, mentors and, uh, you know, have uh, helped me you know, sort of tweak my direction a little bit. Uh, you know, it's not, I don't think anybody really fundamentally changed my DNA, but they tweaked, uh, you know, what, what I was doing. So that has uh, really been very helpful. I think uh, having mentors that can uh, sort of uh, just point to, you know, uh, it, it maybe change a degree or two of uh, your trajectory, I think is important. Um, in, uh, in, in having a team of individuals, right? Um, you know, for me, you know, the most important or most impactful, I should say, element of success, uh, you know, as a technology professional for me, you know, has been my team. Uh, and irrespective of which company I've been at, you know, I put a lot of energy and focus into, you know, what we hire for, uh, you know, why we hire and uh, who we hire. Uh, having a team of individuals that are talented, you know, skilled, uh, you know, that's a given. Uh, but equally important uh, is, uh, the team's ability and openness to debate and dialogue, uh, land on a decision, and then rally behind that decision, irrespective of whose decision it was, uh, to get stuff done. And uh, you know, recruiting, growing, you know, empowering such teams and leaders, uh, you know, to to achieve higher performance, uh, you know, has served me well. And it's you know probably number one on my list. Uh, uh, right? Uh, I'll say close. Uh, Maybe a close second uh, is, uh, you know, I think it's you know, doing what I say and uh, you know, saying uh, what I do. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, but it's, it's it's simple. But it is, uh, you know, for a technology professional, I really don't know a better way to build trust with the team and within the company at large uh, than just delivering what you committed on. Uh, it's it's really that simple, right? And then don't comment if you can't or don't see a way to. Uh, 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 deliver on it, right? Uh, 
this is this has served me really well uh, over the years. And then uh, and also maybe a last one is uh, you know goal setting. Um, when I uh, uh, when it comes to setting goals, both for myself and for my team, I just prefer to set the bar at a ridiculously high point. Um, yeah, I call it the I'll set the bar at 130, 140 percent of whatever was the hundred. And I'm fine if we fall a bit short. Uh, and I prefer that any day over setting the bar at, let's say, 95 and then having a slam dunk. Uh, I, I, so um, this one has served me uh, well, I think mostly successful, uh, but I've had my fair share of uh, failures in this. So uh, I don't know if that's something that uh, others want to do, but uh, it's a, I, I, I still rely on this one. Well, I like all then, of those, Naveen. I think really great reflections and great advice uh, for others as well. I really appreciate you sharing those. And I appreciate the great conversation uh, across the various topics we covered, Naveen. Thank you for sharing a bit more about the remarkable modernization activities, innovative activities, the changes in, in the customer experience, uh, the various supply chain uh, insights, uh, to name just a few of the many topics we covered here. It's really been a terrific conversation. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you, Peter. It has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks a lot.